Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato alahato sama sambuddhasa so these series of talks which I delivered during the range retreat period, they're mostly addressed to the monks and the nuns and those people who are anagarikas, committed to this life, maybe retreatants, because uh, we talk a lot about Pali terms, talk about the deeper Dhamma, so no two bad bricks in the wall sorts of stuff. So if those of you who um, find it a bit deep, it doesn't matter, just let it sink in because uh, what I have noticed, you know, from my own experience of being a monk for so long, some of the teachings which I heard, even as a young monk from Ajahn Chah, I hadn't a clue what he meant. They made no sense at all to me. But nevertheless, I recalled them somewhere deep inside my memory. And... When they were needed, they came up. Things which I thought were just rubbish made no sense. They were powerful enough to be stored somewhere in the brain and the mind. And later on, when I was able to understand these things, they really came up and they were just so helpful and so powerful. So I don't mind teaching very deep talks, even for those people who are not ready to understand them yet. Because, you know, one day they will. And... I was talking last week that many of the, the uh, even the terms which we talk about, even Eightfold Path, you know, jhanas and wisdom and mindfulness, all these little terms which you can read in the uh, teachings of the Buddha, well, they are, as everyone knows, just signposts. They're just pointing to something. And the only way that you can really understand what those sign point, signposts are pointing to is to go to that destination and actually, you know, be in a jhana, and then you know what it's like, you know, to have incredible pity sukha, you know, it's incredible joy and bliss in the mind, then you know what it's like, you know, to have, you know, the feeling of freedom, the freedom from suffering, then you know what it's like. And so a lot of times that the understanding of these words is not found in the dictionaries, but in the deep meditations. And this is one of the reasons why we do this to actually to really understand through what's called direct experience of the Dhamma. And just the last few days, you know, the word which came up, which I haven't talked about for a long time, and which we just chanted so many times in that last uh, little sutta, the fire sermon, is this word called Nibida. And it's one of the most important words for me in my practice, because it is, sometimes I called it years ago, samsara's ejection seat. You know, it just pushes you out from this, this wheel of suffering. It just ejects you, you know, from this dukkha and this trying and, and all this attachment to this stupid things in the world which make you suffer again and again and again. And it's what frees you. And it's a strange word because you know, it is, in the first sight, negative. 
And that's why sometimes you know, I call it revulsion. Turning away from something, pushing you off away from something. And it's a word which if you don't really understand, you'll never understand the purpose of monks and nuns. You know, why we do this? You know, being a monk in my position, trying to present Buddhism to many different audiences you know, throughout the world, not just Buddhist audiences, sometimes you know, to school groups or Christian groups, you know, in universities, and trying to present this. And sometimes you always get the, so sometimes you get the comment that, why are you a monk? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of relationships? How did you have a broken heart, which is why you became a monk? You know, or is it just you're incompetent and you just you know, like to be in some sort of institution so you can be looked after because you don't like the worry of getting a job? You know, are you just escaping? Are you a bludger? All those sorts of, which I had in my years. <laughs> I remember the first year here, you know, just walking on arms round with Ajahn Jakro through North Perth and people shouted out, you bludger, why didn't you get a proper job? And I, I also remember the comment, probably the best comment was when uh, I was visiting UK after seven years as a monk and I was with Ajahn Sumato walking through the depressed, decaying, ex-coal town of Doncaster, one of those miserable places in the world. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and was walking on arms round, and then this guy in a suit came up and stood right in front of Ajahn Sumato and just said the withering words, looking up and down in his robe, and said to Ajahn Sumato, you are old enough to know better. <laughs> That was really, really fascinating. I couldn't help laughing. I gave him no support. I, just, I thought it was funny. <laughs> but anyway, you can see you have all those. Why are you a monk? And because there is this, this force inside the mind which actually pushes you away from all those other stuff which that guy in the suit was pursuing. It's like seeing through these things. It's much more than like a world weariness. Because I hadn't been in the world long enough to be weary of it. I was only 23 when I became a monk. You know, but you know, he had enough of you know the searching for money and searching for pleasures and getting jobs and working and all that sort of stuff. It was good I had you know enough time with relationships, with sex, with going to work and all that sort of stuff, and trying to forge a career. I had enough of that. So to become weary of it, or just to see through it. It's not just seeing through it, it's getting this almost negativity towards it. But there is a difference between the negativity of Nibbida, which is like you know, seeing things as they truly are, and the negativity of depression or ill will. And the difference is that one leads to peace, and the other one leads to suffering. And if you really get depressed, you know, it's if you, you get negative towards everything and there's no release, there's no opportunity to escape from these things, there's no place where you can hide away from the cold and the damp and the gloom of your depression. And it's the same with ill will, it just, just makes suffering even worse, it makes it more intense. But the thing with Nibida is that 
once you turn away you know, from these sensory things, you go to another place which is so cool and peaceful and free. So it's a negativity which actually stops suffering rather than creates suffering. And that's just why, you know, just the chanting which we did there, you know, from Nibida, you know, we get uh, Viraga, Virajati, that's the verb. These things fade away, the suffering, the pain, the, the angst, the heaviness, the burden, the irritation start to fade. And then we have Vimuti, we're free. Free of all of that and have peace and happiness at last. So this negativity which does come up from time to time, if it is the right type of negativity which leads to things disappearing and becoming free and peaceful, that is the Nibida of seeing things as they truly are, of being wise, of having insights, wondering, why do I get involved in all this sort of stuff for? It's stupid stuff. And of course, that sort of revulsion, rejection, turning away from the negative stuff, starts with ordinary things in life. You know, even you know, on this monastery, just, you know, just stupid speech, which sometimes people do, and after a while, you know, you listen to yourself. You know, I'm threatening one day to just put a uh, a recorder at the bowl wash here in Bodhinyana Monastery and play it on a Wednesday evening to the nuns. <laughs> <laughs> and would you be embarrassed? Well, you should hope you should be embarrassed to some of the words which you say to each other over there. And now that's it's, it's unacceptable to have that sort of language. And after a while, you know, you listen to that, and it's not as if you, you know, you're a prude and you think, oh, you know, that's uh, bad against the Vinaya or against the Dharma. It just doesn't feel good. You get this revulsion towards bad speech, putting each other down, saying rotten things, being critical, all that sort of stuff. It's very easy to get a revulsion towards. I've been there, felt it. You know, people have given it to me, and I don't want to give that sort of stuff to other people. So you get a revulsion, you know, to harsh speech. It's just not nice anymore. And once you have the revulsion towards it, then it fades away. It's not part of your repertoire of speech anymore. It just vanishes. Which means instead, in its place, Whenever you speak to anyone, it's always with kindness and just trying to make them happy, just trying to uh, build them up. You don't need to criticize people. There's too much criticism in the world, especially self-criticism. So I don't need to point out people's faults. People know them too much. You just need to point out their good qualities, watering flowers rather than looking at the weeds. And you now that nibbida means all that sort of negativity tends to fade away and disappear. I've also got a lot of nibbida towards control because you know, with many sort of monks in the past, you know, you know, with I really like these monks. They're not bad monks, but sometimes they didn't know what they were doing. They're just not really having much wisdom or training in how to run a monastery. They're just such control freaks. And you know, when I sort of felt that when I became an abbot. I had lots of nibida towards that type of management technique. You know, just 
And I think I'm fair enough to say sometimes it's hard to reflect upon yourself because sometimes you blot out things you don't like to see in yourself. I think I'm pretty sort of easygoing and loose because I've just got too much nibida towards you know, controlling others. You know, the job of a teacher as a monk is to facilitate, take away obstacles, not make more obstacles, build people up and give them the opportunities. Whether they take that opportunity or not, that really is up to them. You know, you can lead a you can lead a nun to water, <laughs> a monk to. I can lead monks to to mushy peas, but I can't make them eat them, <laughs> even though they're very delicious, especially the ones we got today. Thank you, whoever got those ones. <laughs> you know, you can't control and make people do things. So I got nibida towards that, and so. A lot of the times, the things which you read about in the Vinaya, the things we're not supposed to do, you know, you've got nibida towards, you know, breaking precepts. And so after a while, you know, your sila, your practice of the rules in the monastery becomes just so natural. You just you know, feel that breaking them is gross. It's like yucky. You just don't want to do that anymore. And that's a nibida, just the ordinary nibida, which comes from seeing things as they truly are. And you don't get this um, control freak, negative, picky, vineyard, oh, you're making a mistake, stop doing that, that's gross. That's a nibida which causes you know, this ill will and suffering. And it, it's, it's not the right type of negativity. There's the negativity I'm talking about now, if you even give it that word negativity, is it takes you away from just gross and uh, gross behavior of body and speech, and it sort of, that fades away. It disappears. And instead you've got this beautiful peace and happiness, beautiful speech, kind speech, lots of loving kindness, and just praising one another, building each other up saying nice things to each other, you know, laughing with one another, smiling at one another, never frowning. And that's something which comes quite natural. It doesn't actually come just by force. It, the bad stuff fades away because of nibida. You see things as they truly are. Just know why these rules of Vinaya were put out there is because some monks didn't see things as they truly are and acted badly. And monks who did see things as they truly are, they would never do such things. They had nibida towards them. So they faded away from their repertoire of actions and speech. So after a while, you contemplate these things. I don't want to do that sort of stuff anymore. And it fades. And you feel this beautiful sense of freedom and peace, which is what happens. But it's obviously, that as well as just um, some of these actions of the body and uh, speech of the Vinaya, you also have this thing called restraint as well. And the only reason why you have restraint is not because you know, you're, you know, you're sort of uh, negative, you know, as monks, you know, don't look at pretty women. Bad monk. You know, it's not negativity at all. You know, sometimes I've been a man for long enough, now you see just girls all, uh, all painted up or whatever, and just something's a bit gross. It is gross. You think, oh, here we go again. You know, this person is trying to catch somebody, but no way they're going to catch me. And the same with the girls seeing guys or whatever. You get nibida towards that sort of uh, game, you might say, of you know, lust and 
and uh, sex and romance. And after a while, when you get nibbida towards all that, you can see things as it really is. I know that I kept on saying to people that sometimes we have the fantasy that we are special. We're not the same as others. We're not going to make those mistakes. You know, I, I'm smart, I'm wise, that I'm going to do it really well this time. And that's just conceit. Not realizing that, you know, this is the nature of the game. And you're not special. You're just like everybody else and you'll also get caught up and suffer as a result. So you get this beautiful nibbida towards all of this. As monks... And it's not a, neg- a nibida which gives you a negativity. You know, sometimes, you know, when I do, sort of, and I do it, amazing how many times I'm asked to, to bless marriages. And I just the last time I blessed a marriage, I told him, what are you asking me to bless a marriage for? What do I know as marriage? I've been a monk for 40 years. You should get someone else who's married. They might know what they're talking about. I just pretend. <laughs> Actually, I do know what I'm talking about. But... You know, you have nibida towards that, but that doesn't mean you can't sort of celebrate somebody else's relationship and try and teach them to make it good. If you really had nibid, you know, the, the negativity towards these things in life, you know, you'd always be just so critical and so nasty and so sour with what you said. But nibida makes you just you know, see these things and they vanish from you, but you never criticize it in other people. It's no negativity anymore. It's a freedom, a personal freedom, a space inside yourself where those things don't really catch you anymore. You've ejected from that type of world. You're free. And the wonderful thing is that once you've had some nibida and you've ejected from all these sticky things of life, you feel so much peace and happiness. At last I don't need to worry about all of that stuff. And just you know, accumulating enough wealth just to survive and just to have an income enough to live on. You don't have to worry about that. It's such a wonderful thing being a monk. You know, we'll always be fed, we'll always be housed. You don't have to worry about superannuation and pensions and economies and stocks and shares and stuff like that, which you know really consumes so many people and drives them crazy sometimes. But here as a monk, you're free of all of that, as a nun. It's a beautiful sense of freedom. So these are the nibbida towards these things of the world. And once you realize those things, the Buddha said it's just, you know, just like a, sometimes the Buddha used really gross similes, but, you know, just to emphasize it. Just like a young man or a young lady dressed in their finest clothes, scented and perfumed, going out for some party, and they fall into a pit of excrement. And then somebody comes along and manages to take them out and free them, and they wash and they get changed and they're they're scented again. They would never like to go and fall back in that pit of excrement. That's just like a person who's got out of that sensory world. They get nibida towards it. I don't want to go back in there. And that's sometimes what it feels like. It's not just, you know, you're negative towards these things. You're just not interested in it anymore. It doesn't make any sense. And that nibida towards these things, they just grows in monastic life. So you're just not interested in all of this stuff. 
You can listen to other people, you can counsel them, you can talk to them about this stuff. But personally, this Nibbida, you don't want to go back there again. And that Nibbida towards these things actually just transfers, and especially, into just what happens when we sit down to meditate, and the quiet times of our life. It's after a while we get Nibbida towards you know, all this being with other people, talking with them, counseling, hanging out with one another. You have Nibbida towards that, because where does that ever lead to? Yeah, sometimes it's nice to hang out with wise people and just have a little bit of talking, but after a while you just want to stay by yourself. And I always think that's a nice sign, when you have solitude. Because there's so much peace in solitude. You know, you don't have to answer a question, you don't have to give your opinion, you don't have to solve someone else's problems. All you do is need to sit there and you've got nothing to do. Oh, what bliss. Because you also you start to have nibida towards doing stuff. All this doing stuff, I've been doing stuff for 63 years. Well, now what have you really achieved? Yeah, you've got a monastery, you've got lots of monks, and oh, I'm quite famous in many books, but sometimes, how much more do you have to do? And sometimes you sit in your, your hut there and say, I'm going to retire. And for me, and I told that joke before, you know, monks can't retire. But I do retire. Every time I sit down on my cushion, I retire. I'm no longer abbot, no longer senior monk, no longer teacher, no longer Ajahn Brahm. Which means when you get this perception of finishing, not doing anything. Because I know the difference between doing and not doing. And the doing is just always some suffering. Whenever you do something, you'll always, it'll never be perfect. You'll always have two bad bricks in your wall. I said I wasn't going to talk about that. I ended up doing it. You see, I can't control what I'm going to say. You know, whenever you do some painting, it's never quite the right color. You send an email, it's always never quite right. This a whole of life is like that. You can't get this perfection where it can end all of the doing. Finish it once and for all. Now it's done. Now I can relax and rest. I've got all my doing out of the way. And so I've seen through that for such a long time. So what I said in my cave, no more doing, no more planning. No more sort of worrying what's going to happen. So you can let go of the doing. And you can only achieve that through nibida. Now this seeing this doing as this, this irritation and it stops me just being peaceful. And I know what it's like to be peaceful, to stop all this doing. And once you know the difference there, it's so easy to get this, this uh, irritation, this ennui, the French word, this boredom with doing stuff turns away from it, so you just don't do anything. Now you don't stop this doing mind with all its thinking out of willpower. You know, say, right, I'm going to stop now. You just say, what am I doing this for? It's a waste of time. And you just have this beautiful nibbida and it just stops. Through nibbida, things fade away. Viraga comes. And after viraga, they cease whether it's Niroda, they cease. 
what's it called again? Nibida Viraga Nuroda, that whole process. So if you want to stop things in the mind, things like you're always doing stuff, see if you can get some Nibida towards this doing. And then the process will start of it fading away and stopping. If you want to have a quiet mind so it doesn't think so much, get Nibida towards this thinking. Look at this, and just, it's such a burden. It's just like this noise which is constantly between my ears and my head. Think, 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 think. And after a while, it's never really got me anywhere. It's just caused me so much difficulty and just so much noise. It's not really all that useful. You get Nibida towards it. I'm fed up with this thinking. And it fades away because you are no longer feeding it. You no longer give it energy and it disappears. That's why I often say that thoughts don't just come into your mind. You bring them in. You feed them. If you really were, had nibida towards thoughts, not negativity towards them, but nibida, this word of, had enough of this stuff, and you see it fully, then it fades and ceases. Silence at last. And that's so beautiful. And all this other stuff about meditating. Hopefully many of you have got Nibida towards meditating by now. <laughs> Stop it for goodness sake. You meditate this way, meditate that way. Crikey, it just never works. Sometimes it works. And you get some bliss and he can't do it again. Why about, how about having Nibida towards meditating? Which means you sit down there and meditation fades away. And disappears. And nothing is left. Now you're rolling. Because you can see that for many people, you're not really meditating, you're just doing more stuff. Controlling, hoping something's going to happen waiting in the future, just uh, trying to attain something, all that stuff, you know, which you think is meditation. It's not meditation, that sort of stuff, which has caused you so much problems for so many t- lifetimes. Have Nibida towards that. Let that fade away. I'm not going to do that way anymore. I'm just going to allow it to fade away. Instead, even just notice this whole process of things vanishing fading, and then disappearing, gone. Wow! And it feels so beautiful, so free, that you're actually getting insight into what this Dhamma of the Buddha. You're getting un- to understand you know, what Nibbana is. Why, you know, it's ending of stuff, ceasing, things vanishing, not more stuff, not you know, changing one type of uh, suffering to another type of suffering. <laughs> Just vanishing. I was just telling Ajahn Pramali today that that story which I've often said about the two sisters, one had a husband she didn't want and the other one was single, could never get a husband. They were here today, the two of them. (laughs) Sometimes one of them comes, but today they came together. That's a real story. And just from that story, you know, the the joke was I told the first sister, you've got a husband you don't want. The second sister, you know, you want a husband, obvious solution, swap. (laughs) Uh, They weren't that offended because they they keep coming back. 
Amazing. <laughs> but they know the serious part was that one had husband suffering, the other one had single person suffering. It's all just suffering. So for a lot of times people have this suffering of not meditating, and when they sit down they have meditation suffering. Something going wrong there, they're not really letting go. Sometimes people have you know, being in the world suffering and they go to heaven, they have heaven suffering. All existence is suffering somewhere, even in heaven, there's suffering. You know, imagine you go to heaven as a Christian and your suffering is you've got this wife and your ex-wife and somebody else's wife and your, your ex-wife's husband, more of the same. New husband, that is. It must be very difficult up there. A lot of suffering. But anyway, <laughs> whenever there's existence, there's some type of suffering. So you have heaven suffering if you go to those sorts of places. But here we're talking about the ending of these things. Things fading and vanishing. And that's what's really nice in meditation. Once you develop this perception of Nibbida, whatever you're experiencing now, it's going to be some sort of irritation. You have Nibbida towards it. You have this little breath. It's beautiful, but it's just... After a while, you have beautiful breath. You have Nibbida towards it. Nibbida means it vanishes and disappears. It's the opposite of attachment. It's the opposite of indulgence. Remember, it's an ejection seat. It turns away from stuff. It's a very subtle you know, state of mind, a subtle object. But again, that's how you know what Nibbida is. Thing disappears, it fades away, ceases and it's much more peaceful afterwards. So that whole process is identifying an attitude of mind, a perception, which takes you into the deepest of meditations, takes you to Nibbana, just takes you out of samsara. It's called the ejection seat. It's that which happens before the fading away of things. So if things aren't fading, and you're sitting there, maybe you can get even to a deep state of meditation, and get even nimittas coming up. But they don't fade into the jhanas, they don't disappear. It means there's still that little bit of attachment there. And by attachment it means there's a sense of self, my nimitta, my meditation, my doing something. Because remember I told the secret of attachment, there's always two ends to the stick. The one you're holding on to, and the one with the hook on. And so, you know, we hook things. And we always, you know, think that just let go of things means just letting go of what's on the hook. But let go of the hand which is holding that hook. It's this end of attachment. Attachment is a relationship, which means a sense of self and the things which you own and attach to and grasp and hold and cling to. And you can let go of all those things you hold and cling to and grasp for eternity. You let go of one thing and you pick up another thing. Until you realize that that end of attachment is almost endless. This end of attachment, this being, this idea of a self which keeps picking up things, that's the thing which we can let go of. When you let go of that, then there's no more attachment.
That's what nibbida does. If the nimitta, say, doesn't sort of develop and vanish into a jhana, it means that you, there's a sense of self there, a me, an I, is holding on to something. It hasn't got the nibbida to be able to let it go. If it is negativity, then the nimitta will disappear and you just go back to square one. But if it's nibbida, it means the nimitta will just disappear. It will fade. And when it fades and disappears, you'll go to what's underneath, behind that nimitta, the jhanas. One of the best similes which I developed was the thousand petal lotus simile. Beautiful simile of just how a lotus opens up, layer of petal after layer of petal. And the next stage, if you want to call it a stage, is right within the layer of petals which you can see right now. That opens up to have the next stage. And that's the whole point of meditation. You just go in. The outer things vanish to see what's inside. You know, the things like the body, because you know you just you have this nibida towards this body, it is always irritating, you can never get it comfortable, no matter what you do, you can never get it healthy, no matter what medicines you take. So you go inside of it. You have this nibida, you just stick it down on your chair, look after it, and then, okay, enough. And allow the body to vanish. It disappears, and then you go into this, the breath, you see, or present moment awareness and silence. Present moment awareness means time vanishes, silence, all these thoughts vanish. You get to the breath. When the breath is there, just the body is mostly gone. Can't feel your legs or your hands or your head, just watching the breath. It gets delightful, and then the delightful breath vanishes. You're going inside of it. Now inside of the delightful breath, that layer of petals is a nimitta. But you don't have all this, you don't stop anywhere. You have this nibida, yeah. So the thing vanishes. You don't keep holding it. This being inside, which is always trying to cling and hold on to stuff, has personal attainments, personal sources of satisfaction, just let's go. After a while, even nimitas, credible, powerful, blissful nimitas, yeah, so what? It's an amazing thing to say, because these are blissful states. But then you sort of you let them go. And when you let them go with nibbida, that's when the jhanas happen. And you get into a jhana, and by this time it's just totally automatic. After a while, they start to cease and vanish. And this nibida is just all sankaras. That's why they say that you know, when you come out of these jhanas, and you just notice even these refined states are, what do they say, they're a pain, they're a dart, they're a thorn, they are all these other, I forget what all the similes are, you know, which you read in the suttas. Resting on that. Resting on that nibida to realize even the jhanas and irritation. That you can go towards the stilling of all things. The nibida causes even those things to fade away. And then it ceases and it's gone. 
That's the power to enlightenment. That's what it's like. And so, sometimes if you are getting stuck in your meditation practice, if it is real nibbida, see if you can understand what that thing actually is. It's a powerful force. I was playing around with it a couple of days ago. I've got great meditation. Just you know, whatever you're watching in the meditation, yeah, you're peaceful. Nibbida. And it vanished. Something else came up. Nibbida. And it faded away. And so many things faded away and disappeared. And you had great time. Really getting into profound states of mind. States of emptiness and freedom. It's amazing just how much stuff clutters your mind. And when most of it disappears and then the rest disappears and the rest under the rest disappears. More and more things vanishing, disappearing. You're incredibly free, peaceful, profound bliss. That's what happens with Nibbida. So the difference between Nibbida and negativity is negativity just gets more suffering. Nibbida makes things vanish. From Nibbida we get Viraga. Viraga Niroda. Niroda Vimuti. Freedom at last. And the whole idea of freedom is it's always been a sort of a goal of the human being to be free and people just have no idea what freedom means. They think that Australia is a free country, ha ha ha. There's so many desires and so many things pushing and pulling us and holding us and containing us. We're not talking about sort of prisons of made out of bricks. Prisons of cravings and desires and angers and ill will. All these things imprison us. And you never feel as free as when you let go of all your desires when you have no possessions. Things may be in your heart, but you don't own them. Things in your body, but you know it's not yours. Things in your mind, but nothing to do with me, none of my business. Until you're totally free, with nothing you own at all. Oh, just that old simile again. Because I saw today one of an old friend from the time I was a monk in Thailand came to visit. He's a disrobed a long time ago, but he was talking about when he went on Tudong, this is the Thai word, wandering around in Thailand. And I think he was a novice monk at the time. So, you know, he was actually in the jungles, maybe 35 years ago, cooking for Ajahn Pasano. When Ajahn Pasano was on Tudong, wandering around somewhere in the jungles in the north. And he cooked him this gourd, you know, this like a melon sort of thing in a forest. And he thought this would be really good, because you know, there's nothing else around, only got a bit of rice on arms round. So he cooked him this gourd, and it was the only very poisonous gourd in the whole forest, and he almost killed Ajahn Pasano. And he became famous for that. The novice <laughs> almost killed a monk. And it was really bad, I mean, he was vomiting and really sick, and just you know, very lucky to survive. The villagers actually came and found the both of them and took them into the village to heal them. But phew, really close. <laughs> he was here today. Always laugh at those sorts of things. But you know, I remember my two dog time. You know, just wandering around with everything you owned, just carrying with you, and it was light. And not many much stuff you needed: your bowl, your mosquito net, an umbrella, 
and a little bag of stuff. It's all you own in the whole world. And just that just gave you a taste of freedom. The less you have, the more freedom you have. And just wandering around like that, just no responsibilities, no place to go, no sort of hut you have to clean, just sleeping out under the trees, you know, in the sort of the fields, wherever it was, totally free, with no possessions, no money, no debts, and no place to go. I always remember that. I, I didn't have any plans where I was going to go tomorrow. You just find a nice place, rest the night, go for arms right in the morning. Now where shall I go? It's a beautiful state of freedom. And you just see just how all of our possessions, all of our ill will and anger and desires and all of the stuff which happens in the community or in the world, that, that imprisons us. And after a while you see that with wisdom. You have nibbida towards it. So nibbida towards being owned by possessions. Nibbida to always being owned by your anger and resentment, owned by your past. It's a nice little concept there. You know, sometimes unless you let go of the past, the past owns you and imprisons you. Or you know, your fear of the future, the future can own you. And you have no freedom at all. So you have this beautiful nibbida towards all of this. And the, when it does fade away, and all these things disappear, it's incredible the freedom you feel. And that is why sometimes Nibbana is you know, it's called Vimuta, freedom. Being untethered in this world. That's why we do these things. Only through Nibbida the things disappear. And only when they disappeared can you be free. So that's the talk this evening. And the mind And guess what? I'm gonna disappear. Next Wednesday, I'll be vanished in my cave. Pati Pano Bhagavan